Today's guest is fifth all-time leading scorer in the NFL, John Carney. John owns and operates CTF, the Carney Training Facility in Carlsbad, California, where he trains, develops, and more importantly, mentors high school, college, and NFL specialists. What makes CTF so unique is that it's one of the only spots that has a physical training location, thus making it the mecca of kicking. Here's their story. Enjoy. origin story John Carney super secret origin story uh kid grew up in Florida who loved soccer and all his buddies were playing football in high school because that was the thing to do and uh found myself on a football field thinking I was a wide receiver um soon to find out that the guys kicking and punting footballs were football guys and not soccer guys and so I figured you know what I could earn some more splinters on this bench, or I could learn how to kick a different shaped ball and uh, get on the field. And so that's how it got started. What's the one thing you see everybody getting wrong when they're first approaching kicking and punting? Uh, to make it simple, they think they have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, most kickers and punters come from some type of a soccer background, especially the kickers. And they have this notion or they've been incorrectly coached that they need to learn how to kick all over again. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, all the footballs and, or I should say all the soccer balls or rugby balls or jelly balls or whatever they were kicking prior to headed toward the, heading towards a football field to learn how to kick and punt. Um, they have learned and developed a, a ton of muscle memory and skill and touch uh, with foot meeting ball that we want to use and take advantage of and not disregard and try to, again, reinvent the wheel. So if I understand correctly, your philosophy is to build backwards from the natural style that an athlete comes to you with correct uh they i want to see how they have grown up the history of their kicking what that looks like physically and and work from there that's their foundation and we want to work from there we don't want to create a whole new foundation um, and have them actually fighting their own natural tendencies of how they used to kick and, and trying to create a whole new kicking style when that's not necessary. Gotcha. It's really easy for a young kid who really wants to be great at something to kind of throw almost too much effort into it at, at once. You know, they almost care too much. They, they want to be, they want to be great so badly that they struggle to even be good sometimes. It is. And you know, you got to walk before you run and uh, you want to start small and, and, you know, have attainable goals early uh, and certainly long-term goals. Uh, but uh, you got to walk before you run. And um, sometimes, you know, some things take time to iron out and for things to, to feel natural and for you to get some, some early results that you're excited with and that motivates you to continue your journey. Uh, and that's true with anything, you know, um, very few people, whether it's sports or uh, other activities or 
uh, areas in their life where, you know, they start off, um, you know, getting A pluses and, and, uh, and, and being superstars that, that that's few and far between. Uh, there are, you know, some special people in the world that they hit it, hit their stride early with a sport or an activity, uh, or a subject. But, um, most of us, most of us mortals have to put a little work, a little work into it, uh, a little elbow grease to uh, get the results we're looking for. Now, can you talk about the origin story of CTF, the car, the uh, Carney training facility? It's almost become this Venice beach of kicking that a lot of kids on the East coast where I'm at, they see these gods among men, you know, among mere mortals hitting these great kicks and they're all training at this Mecca of kicking. How did that first get started, John? Well, that, I guess if this is the Venice beach of kicking, that makes me Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm cool with that. There you go. Uh, so it started in my garage, uh, like most great bands started in the garage. Uh, I was, I left the San Diego Chargers to play for the New Orleans Saints, uh, but I kept my home here in San Diego. So when I returned uh, in the off seasons to train, uh, the public gyms were too busy, too crowded, uh, didn't have the right equipment, so on and so forth. So I uh, started putting equipment into my garage, uh, creating the environment and the training facility that was going to work specifically for kickers and punters. And that was my, my, my training spot. And uh, Steve Weatherford, my good friend who joined me at the Saints in 2006, he was a rookie coming out of uh, University of Illinois, very uh, talented, uh, athletic punter who also was a um, decathlete in college. Uh, he joined me in the off seasons uh, for training and then uh, other kickers and punters started joining us as well. Uh, Nick Novak and Nick Folk uh, and a number of others, uh, Josh Brown. Uh, I don't know, you know, within a couple of years, we had, you know, six, seven, eight guys joining us in the off season uh, to train in my garage, but it was skill specific training. Uh, we developed some routines, uh, some methods, some strategies that we felt were very beneficial to our performance on the field. Uh, we thought we were getting great preparation for each season. Um, we thought we were making good gains in the right direction. Uh, and we're focusing on, uh, you know, training as a specialist. Uh, we can get lost in, in, in big gyms or other fitness uh, facilities, uh, get lost amongst the other athletes and lose our focus on what our end goal is. Um, you know, it's nice to have big arms, but if the big arms aren't helping you kicking and punting, then uh, you've, you've lost your way. So um, anyways, that's, that's how CTF was born, in a garage. And then as I slipped into retirement uh, six, seven, eight years later, uh, we started moving the equipment into a warehouse. We made this a warehouse gym and added some grass, added some more equipment, uh, started running to the beach and doing stairs and sand runs in the beach. Uh, started doing some things in the parking lot as you experience with uh, pushing sleds and pulling tires and doing some old school stuff uh, and continue to grow the program. Now, what's, what's the one thing that people will get from CTF that they won't be able to find anywhere else? 
skill-specific training and an environment of specialists that push each other, motivate each other, and support each other. Um, and amongst all that, I'm here sharing my 23 years of NFL experience. We may be lifting weights. We may be squatting or lunging or or stretching and a subject will, a subject will come up, uh, you know, pressure field goals or pregame routine, or, you know, um, playing with a small injury, a slight injury, but we can still perform. How do we, how do we get through that? Um, and so we, we cover a myriad of subjects during the course of our training here, which is great. Um, you know, so we continue to build the athlete uh, mentally and physically um, and, everybody's on the same road here. Uh, now some guys are further down the road, you know, you may come here one day and you're working out uh, with NFL players or retired NFL players. Uh, the next day you may be working out with one of the top college guys who's preparing for his uh, NFL combine or his pro day. So uh, you got a good group of guys that come in and out of here on a weekly basis, a monthly basis. And so you, um, the, the, the faces change, but they all have the same goal uh, to be the best they can be, the best specialist they can be, um, perform well, whether uh, they're headed towards their high school season, their college season, or their pro season. Um, had a good group of XFL guys this year. Uh, I think we had 10 guys that have trained here that were in the XFL, and um, they're just coming out of that season, getting ready, hopefully, for a look uh, by some NFL teams. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the coolest parts about going to where you're at. I mean, you're probably the only person who coaches kickers, punters, or snappers who has a dedicated physical space. And uh, Pat and I, Pat Villa and I talk about this all the time, those those John moments, you know, where you just like randomly – not randomly, but you might launch into a story and you just never know what little nugget of wisdom is going to be that thing that finally gets somebody over the hump for sticking in XFL or, or NFL. Um, now, part of what you do is you work with guys that are at the top of their game, top 1%. And there's a lot of guys who could physically and technically kick at the pro level. But we all know it's not always the best technique or the most talent that ends up getting the contract or winning the workout. Some of it comes down to mental prep or how you focus on training under pressure and trusting your form under pressure. Can you talk about maybe two or three keys that you preach in preparing your guys to not only train well, but to perform under pressure when a coach is watching? Uh, yeah, good point, B. Um, it's your, your preparation is going to build your confidence and your confidence brings you into the situation uh, with, uh, uh, to use the word confidence again, or, or, or with the strength that uh, mental, physical strength that you will succeed in this situation. Um, so we study our routine, whether it's our training routine, practice routine, strength and conditioning routine, and uh, our routine on the field. So our skill routine. So how do I warm up? What's my warm up look like? Uh, all the way back to uh, my my dynamic stretching and my static stretching, and uh, in into my my drills that I do every time I step on the field to get myself to punt and kick the best that day. 
um, and and we continue to customize and tailor that that routine and that program so we can get you to that point of kicking and punting my best every time we step on the field uh, and then dialing that routine in so it becomes second nature so because uh, we are humans are are uh, creatures of habit and we 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 continue to repeat habits that work and change habits that don't and so we want our habits and routines to uh, to be successful um, that builds our confidence and we take that confidence into the competition or into the game um, and I think that's a point or a subject that many coaches miss and, and, and athletes miss when they haven't experienced that and they you know, they go out once in a while and they have a great day, but they have a hard time repeating that. Right. And it's because they don't have a, a routine or, or haven't formed uh, good habits to get them to that point every time. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the whole secret of the mental game, you know, what are your swing thoughts? What, what is going on between your ears when you step onto the field uh, to perform your best? And it's more than hoping that I'm going to perform my best, but it's, it's specific, very detailed and uh, very uh, practiced and uh, disciplined swing thoughts. And we have to be strong enough mentally to put those on a loop, to focus and allow no other thoughts to enter our mind accept those swing thoughts um, easier said than done but that's what we practice and we on the field when we're practicing on a on a weekly basis uh, we have distraction drills and I will distract our kickers and punters uh, within reason uh, to see how strong their thought process is and to see mm -hmm. if can they stay focused and uh, in the zone or are they easily distracted? And if they are, then we're going to work on that and practice that because the reality of, this, of the deal is you are going to be distracted. Um, mm -hmm. There's a ton of things in the course of a football game that will distract you. And we need to make you mentally tough and confident that your swing thoughts are what they need to be for you to perform your best. And nothing on God's green earth is going to distract you away from that swing thought during the course of your performance on the field. So mental preparation for you is something that it's a 24 seven training philosophy. It's not just, I feel like some, a lot of guys approach it as like, Oh, I just need something for game day. You're saying you need to have this, whether you're charting at a college recruiting camp or kicking in practice in addition to game day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's a focus. Um, it's a discipline. It's, it's being serious about your craft. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to take uh, your, your whole process to a new level. And, um, and sometimes it's trial and error. And uh, we've probably all been, if you've been kicking and punting long enough, then you've hit a, or miss hit a kick or miss hit a punt that cost you or cost the team uh, a victory. And that hurts. And that threat of that possibility happening, and it's a legitimate threat, 
that's motivating enough to recommit yourself to focus and to recommit yourself to be mentally tough to prevent that from happening. Right. One of the things that stuck with me when I was out at CTF a year and a half or almost two years ago now was you were breaking down the difference between an A ball versus a B ball. And that even if you might not have your best stuff on a given day, you still need to have a plan for how to still be successful. Could you talk about what you mean by A ball versus B ball? Absolutely. So uh, an A ball is your best punt, your best punt, your best kick, whether it's kickoff or, or field goal that the ball jumps off your foot, rotates perfectly, goes exactly down the target line that you intended. And you're very satisfied with that product. Uh, your punt, you know, spirals off your foot, felt great, goes up, turns over, hangs up in you know, there forever, lands exactly in the, in the area you intended it to land. Uh, those are our eight kicks and our eight punts. Uh, that's obviously our goal every time we step on the field. Unrealistic. Um, the younger you are, where you're talented, you have more of those A-ball days. Uh, but there will be days uh, that that A-ball is just very hard to find. Uh, it may be because a, a small flaw has entered into your, your kicking or, or your punting mechanics, and you have to identify that flaw and fix it. It may be because you're just not 100% healthy that day. Maybe you had the flu earlier that week. Maybe you overdid it in the weight room and you're a little tight here, a little tight there. Uh, maybe the conditions are just the conditions that you just haven't mastered yet. And you're just having a hard time hitting that a ball in that, in that environment. So the young kicker, the young punter will grind and grind and grind searching for that a ball and many times grind himself right into a hole and, uh, into some, uh, horrible performances that could cost him a game or cost him his job. Uh, the mature kicker, punter, or athlete for that matter, basketball, golfer, uh, you name it, quarterback, uh, on days like that, he will revert to his B game. And the B game is that it may not be exciting it may not be earth shattering. It may not be record breaking, but I will get the job done. I will find a way to get the job done. Uh, and for kickers, that's, I need to put the ball through the, through the uprights. It, it may be a little exy. It may not have perfect rotation. It may not be as high as I would like it, but my number one goal today, because I know I'm not feeling great and I'm not hitting the, the great a ball that I, I like to hit, uh, on a daily basis. That's not happening today. I just need to get this ball through the uprights. I need to survive this day. And the pros, uh, the athletes in any walk of life, they all have a, a B game that they can go to when they're in trouble and get through that match, that game, that kick, that punt and survive the day. And that's a mature athlete that knows when that is necessary. Do you have a story of when you had to rely on your B-ball to get you through? 
uh, <laughs> yeah, towards the end of my career, I had a lot of B days. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you put it through the uprights, the management coaches seem to be happy about it. And your peers are, your peers complain that it didn't look that great, but you still hold on to your job. So, uh, yeah, there were a few games I went into where, uh, you know, my, my back was really stiff because of exercising, doing something in the weight room or for whatever reason, um, over, <clears throat> overstrained um, myself uh, going into that week or prior to the game and had to uh, rely on a B-ball and certainly, you know, didn't have physically the capability of hitting an A-ball that day. Uh, days where the the turf was really sloppy you know like in a cleveland or a pittsburgh <clears throat> or old new england which uh back when they had grass which mm -hmm. turned into dirt about halfway through the season um you really had to pay attention to different aspects and handling that environment and and not striving for an a ball but striving to put the ball straight and get it through the uprights um and that, that saved me, to, that the, under, the understanding that, okay, time to flip the switch. A ball's out of the, the picture right now. Let's just get the ball through the uprights and um, get the job done. If it may not be pretty, but let's get the job done. Right. What was the lowest moment of your career? And then how did that set you up for later success? Well, thanks for bringing that up, B. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause here's, here's why I bring it up, because I feel that the resilient, like for you as a, as a coach, for example, the, the guys who are most prolific, they, they feel all the same feelings of being nervous or being afraid or sometimes unsure of their abilities as maybe the high school freshman kicker does. But they, res they respond differently. And so I guess in a way you could kind of call it like, what's your favorite failure that like later boosted you to, towards greater success? Mm. I've never heard it called my favorite failure, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Two, two words, uh, positive and negative. Uh, so that would have to be my missed extra point in Jacksonville. Uh, very disappointing performance by myself. Uh, I had kicked a few field goals in that game and extra points, but we scored on the last minute uh, lateral to five different players uh, to uh, potentially tie the game and go into overtime. It was game 15 of a 16-game season. I was with the Saints and uh, went out on the field and they reviewed the play for 10 minutes, whatever, and uh, I proceeded to go out and miss the extra point and uh game did not go into overtime jacksonville won we went home um and the media just wanted to juice up the story a little bit so they said that game kept us out of the playoffs which mathematically it really didn't but just made for a better story so um i was arch enemy number one in new orleans for a while uh got booed when i came back home for the last game of the season and then uh was not a big uh uh hero in the off season just the opposite uh so i had to put up with an off season of being um the bad guy uh all the way up into the next season and so that happening uh you know certainly was frustrating and made me 
review uh, my entire equation of preparation, mental focus, and equipment, and what can I do better, and how did that happen, and how can I prevent that from happening again, and, and being now uh, tougher um, from a standpoint of who I'm going to listen to or not listen to as far as the critics, because uh, when you have a down moment like that, uh, the papers, the media, the fans, they'll come down on you, and that's that's the nature of the beast. And so uh, had to protect myself from that, grow some thick skin and move forward and make a decision that I was not going to let a missed extra point define my career. I would move on and do positive things once again for my team and, and for my career, which I ended up playing another eight years, went to a pro bowl, went to a super bowl. Um, and, uh, continued to to look forward and not look behind but learning from the past and and using that as fuel for my future how did that moment set you up for your favorite moment as a pro and what was that favorite moment now we'll, we'll balance it out we'll talk about the fun stuff the fun stuff yeah uh there were a couple um after Hurricane Katrina, uh, the Saints, we were sent to San Antonio. Uh, but the, literally two weeks after Hurricane Katrina, things were still a mess uh, in the Gulf South and in New Orleans. Uh, we played the Carolina Panthers, who were uh, looked at to be one of the top teams in the league and certainly one of the top teams to win our division. We went to uh, Carolina to play them opening game of the season. And we actually uh, won that game. We hit a 47 yard field goal at the end of the game on a windy day to uh, secure the victory. Um, that was a big moment uh, for, for the saints, for the Gulf South, uh, for people who had been uh, struggling through the hurricane looking for something to lift their spirits, uh, their home team who had also been <clears throat> affected by the hurricane uh, went out and, and, and beat a really good Carolina Panther team. So that was pretty exciting. Um, playing for the giants for a year, uh, ended up going to the soup. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the pro bowl as the oldest player ever to play in a pro bowl um, went along with Jeff Fiegel's, a uh, great punter who also uh, had a very, very, very long career as a punter in the NFL uh, to go with him um, to the Pro Bowl. That was a real fun, magic season. Had a great team, actually finished the season as the number one NFC uh, seed uh, for the playoff picture. Um, just couldn't pull it off against the, the Eagles a few weeks later, uh, but a great, a great team. And then the, to return back to the Saints in 2009 and, and kick uh, for nine, I'm sorry, kick for 11 games. Uh, and then we plugged in uh, Garrett Hartley to finish the season, who I was filling in for, and then to become his and Thomas Morrison's kicking coach into the playoffs and through the Super Bowl victory. That was a, a very special year. That's awesome. One of the things that um... – you know, obviously we know that there's ups and downs and of course times like these are uh, very different. And I think 
you know, especially being a kicker, punter, and, and snapper, we almost have an unfair advantage dealing with adversity because you might train for six days to get one kick and, it, you know, it all comes down to you. And one of the things that sticks out to me about your coaching is, is mentorship. And you have, you do have, I know that your preparation goes in, the, in a physical sense, in a mental sense, but there's also like a, a spiritual sense as well. Could you talk about the role that you feel faith has played in helping you not get too high or too low throughout your career? I'll be honest with you, uh, B, most of the kickers that I know uh, that have spent a long time in the NFL have a strong faith foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They understand that life's bigger than them, their career's bigger than them, that uh, their career doesn't define them, um, that they have a, a trust and faith in God and that God has a plan for their lives. Uh, we don't always know what that plan is, and at certain times we question it. Um, and many times when we run into adversity, we will understand uh, if there's a silver lining to uh, the trial that we're going through, but Many times there is a silver lining. It may take you a little while, whether it's months or years afterwards, to real to look back and say, "Oh, I see uh, what happened during that trial, and I see the silver lining that came from that experience." Uh, but uh, my faith, and and I share that with many of my clients that uh, that they have to have faith that. God does have a plan for their lives, uh, that their skills that they've been given uh, are from our Lord, and uh, we are called to perfect those skills to the best of our ability, and uh, and the trust, mm-hmm. trust our preparation, and trust ourselves, and trust that God's got a plan for our lives. Awesome. Okay, a couple of quick questions before we wrap up. What is one piece of advice you would have wished you had given yourself when you first started out in the NFL that you now know? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, probably don't pay as much attention to the critics and not as much attention to what everybody thinks about you. Mm-hmm. and pay more attention to your goals and your focus and your priorities favorite kicking cleat what was your cleat setup like i know you have a you love your cleats a certain way <laughs> yeah uh my favorite kick cleats there was a plant shoe that i loved that there was a screw in that was made by uh there were a couple of them. One was made by a company by the name of Patrick. And then another one was a Nike. Uh, and they were screw-ins, six stud screw-ins for my left foot. I played on a lot of grass in my career. Ended up really liking the uh, six stud screw-in. On my right foot, I actually entered the NFL wearing a $19 miter. Synthetic leather, before synthetic leather, leather, leather became cool to wear. Um, I was wearing it. You heard <laughs> it first, guys. Worth. 
And uh, I was a Reebok guy for many, many years. Reebok was a great company to me and to many kickers. Uh, David Akers, I know he, they did some stuff for Martin Anderson. A lot of guys were Reebok guys, and they made some custom shoes for us that um, worked out very well. Uh, and I've had my share of Nikes as well and Adidas and Umbro, so on and so forth. But the, uh, the first shoe that I wore into the NFL, that, that miter, um, I really, really ended up liking that shoe for a long time and they stopped making it. I actually called miter and tried to have them make me some duplicates and they couldn't, they couldn't pull it off. <laughs> but, um, that was one of my favorite shoes. Gotcha. And not a lot of people know this, but you actually used to be teammates with Terry Crews for a brief moment. What was it like being teammates with Terry Crews? Yeah, Terry Crews has been ghosting me. That Terry Crews. <laughs> now that he's a superstar. Uh, great guy. Um, very good player. Uh, I think he was a special teams player for us at the San Diego Chargers. Um, backup linebacker. Uh, very, very creative, obviously. And at the time, he was working on his art. So he would paint um, <clears throat> pictures for guys. Uh, he would uh, paint their likeness with uh, uh, some, some San Diego landscape or landmark behind them. Uh, and phenomenal work. I think he probably did four or five uh, paintings for, for players. And... Uh, fantastic paintings so when i saw him <clears throat> pop up in the hollywood scene as an actor i was like wow this guy's very talented because i knew him as a football player and a painter and now he's acting and uh is a comedian <laughs> so uh but very very excited for his career and his success um you know we have this gym and we'd love terry to join us and for a pump a pump session uh, to reminisce about the good old days as a San Diego Charger. Uh, I don't know if there's to... enough weight there for uh, him and Steve Weatherford to be in the same room. <laughs> I know. That would be quite, quite the session. Um, what, would, what would be one piece of advice of, or word of encouragement you would give out to high school, college, or, or other NFL kickers, punters, snappers, and their parents and their families right now? Uh, right now, of what we're go going through? Yeah. Well, uh, you can tune into our webinar tomorrow. I'll tell you all about it. Hey, hey <laughs> plug it. We'll plug it. Make sure you tune into John's uh, webinars. Yeah, we're uh, starting a four webinar series this month of April. And one of tomorrow's subjects is what can you be doing now, especially from a strength and conditioning standpoint, uh, when your gym has probably closed? Right. Uh, how can you stay on top of your um, yourself physically uh and it's tough it's tough uh sure. the closing fields around here uh and around the country and many gyms uh have closed um shut down for for this period of time it's difficult and uh just keep those muscles activated what be creative go to youtube find exercises make sure that your quads groin hamstrings uh core um, hip flexors are all getting some, some work. It's all getting some activity. Uh, keep those muscles in tune. You may not be able to make huge gains at this moment, but you can still keep the muscles activated and maintain 
a lot of that muscle condition that you work so hard to get. Gotcha. John also has an awesome book on strength and conditioning as well that I highly recommend you guys check out. Um, you've worked with a lot of guys. And I think the one word that sticks out when anybody has talked to me about their experience working with you is that you are a mentor first and foremost. And then the coaching side just comes after that. What is the one thing you would like any player who's worked with you to remember about you? Well, that I uh, shared some legitimate coaching techniques, points, and swing thoughts that really benefited their game, uh, that uh, I supported uh, their journey and their dream, and certainly cared about where they're at and where they're headed. Um, not only as a, a specialist, but as a person and that the door is always open for them. Awesome. All right, cool. John, I'm just going to pause that right there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the kickers are people to podcast. If you like this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.